This week's episode is brought to you by 6minutemile.com. Running and fitness news hand curated and delivered directly to your inbox multiple times each week. These six easily digestible stories, reviews, and moments of inspiration are like the skim for endurance athletes. Sign up today and you'll get stories like the future of artificial intelligence and run coaching, which are the best gym exercises for runners, and comprehensive reviews of the latest and greatest gear from the top brands in the industry. Looking for your next race? 6-Minute Mile has a great event directory as well. Visit 6minutemile.com, pop in your email address, and sign up for your very own inbox full of endurance goodness. 6minutemile.com Our guest for episode 48 is Ben Davis, a former Navy SEAL who uses his love for the outdoors, military and combat experience, and finishes at the Leadville and Shenandoah 100-mile mountain bike races in his current position as Executive Director at Vogue, or Veterans Outdoor Advocacy Group, to advocate on behalf of veterans for the use of outdoor activities as accepted, funded, and prescribed therapies to mend the mental and emotional scars affecting our veterans after a 21-year war on terror. It's a great conversation where we talk about the differences and similarities between Bud's training in Leadville, as long as get details on a harrowing night spent at 14,000 feet on Long's Peak, unable to descend until morning. So sit back, lace them up, and if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to Faster Forward. I am your host, Troy Bousseau. This is a show where we sit down and talk with some amazing people from the endurance community, age groupers and Olympians, adventurers and explorers. We discuss their successes and failures about falling down, getting back up and never ever quitting. While it's not always about finishing, it is most definitely about starting, getting on a journey faster forward. How's it going, Ben? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, today we have Ben Davis with us from Vogue, V-O-A-G, which stands for the Veterans Outdoor Advocacy Group, um, which promotes the benefit of outdoor therapy for veterans. In addition to his great work there, uh, Ben here is a com- uh, quite accomplished endurance athlete, completed three half Ironmans, uh, the Grand Traverse Ski, and both the Shenandoah and Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike races, Leadville, in fact, in under nine hours. So lots to talk about. Great to have you on. Uh, it's fantastic to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Troy. It's a pleasure. I've heard a number of episodes and uh, excited to be part of it. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, you were introduced to me um, through Ryan Kroll, who was on now two episodes again from Boundless Coaching. You guys have had tremendous success up in the mountains of Leadville elsewhere, getting athletes from the start to finish line. Um, and you're a coach for Boundless, which is super cool. Um, so in addition to the coaching side and the athlete side and then the veterans advocacy side, I think we've got plenty to talk about to fill up this hour. Totally. So I'm, I am, I'm super excited to have you on. So let's let's actually start. I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about um, you. You are a Navy SEAL, um, and I'd love to know kind of like chicken and egg here, you know, a little bit about you growing up athletically, what kind of guy you were. I think the certainly the last 20 years has has elevated the image and impression of special forces, SEALs, et cetera, type of military folks. And I'm just always curious, you know, again, that kind of like the chicken, the egg, what, you know, what makes a special forces or a SEAL or, you know, versus, you know, do you sort of, are you that person coming in type of thing? So what was your athletic background kind of growing up and type of person you were? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I grew up in Blacksburg, Virginia, which is where Virginia Tech is. Okay. I would say um, 
some of the most more robust outdoor clubs. Um, if you looked at, you know, the Southeast and who, you know, which, which clubs have some of the top athletes. I remember growing up in, uh, you know, Virginia Tech Mountain Bike Club would be in the in the newspaper for national championships. There was a, a bunch of um, really accomplished whitewater kayakers that went to Virginia Tech to triathlon. I mean, everything uh, that mm -hmm. has to do with mountains and endurance really, uh, I think, uh, people find Virginia Tech to be a great place to go to undergrad. Mm -hmm. So grew up there. My dad was a professor at Virginia Tech. And so there was always sort of a running theme of, um, you know, there's soccer and, and basketball and ball sports, but there's also a lot of other, um, you know, there's also a lot of other stuff out there. My dad had me in the, in the mountains, you know, just hiking, fishing, kayaks, canoe trips, you know, your basic um, kind of outdoor stuff. And then it, that turned into high school. I found, you know, it ended up getting in with some, some Virginia Tech students that knew how to rock climb, mm -hmm. uh, learn the basics there. I had an uncle who, um, sorry, it's flying. <laughs> I had an uncle who was, um, my dad's brother was an alternate in the 1994 Olympics in Atlanta for whitewater kayaking. Oh, wow. And so I had some exposure there to sort of, you know, the whitewater scene. And yeah, so I went, I, I go to um, undergrad at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, um, you know, way more. Uh, focused and into what I was going to do on the weekends than, you know, what, what was happening in the classroom. Um, ended up pretty, you know, really immersed in, into the whitewater scene, mm. um, paddling, you know, all over the Southeast, couple trips to Colorado, California. Um, school was sort of winding down, you know, it was junior year, senior year. And so what, about what, what year about was this? This would be uh, maybe 2008. Okay. 2009 and um yeah so school you know the party is going to stop the writing's on the wall <laughs> um you know you're gonna have to graduate and get a job um and yeah it wasn't really into i had a, i had a hard time with that you know what i was going to do after undergrad um and i ended up with a, a a pretty bad separated shoulder i broke my humerus head flipped over um in my kayak broke my arm um you just hit rocks and, yeah yeah i thought i was gonna hit my face basically up when mm. i right right as i flipped you know you kind of get a snapshot of the next 10 feet and then i realized oh that's this is going to be really bad so as i went to protect kind of my face um i hit the rock on my on right on the shoulder bone ended up having um surgery and yeah a full humerus head repair um, so at that point, I, uh, you know, I was like, okay, what are we going to do when school ends? And as I was, you know, uh, doing the physical therapy, I was talking to, you know, my doctor and a couple, well, I guess maybe a month in, I don't know, six weeks in, you know, his, he was like, you certainly can't pat, um, you know, you certainly can't kayak, but you can start running if you want. Okay. And, um, so I got started started doing that. And then I, you know, that sort of ran into, I think I could run a half marathon and then I can run a full marathon. And then, um, yeah, I really started to, you know, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, you know, what, the, what it was doing for me physically, mentally, the whole thing. And then that turned into, um, trail running and 
70 point threes and, and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, are, are you, still, are you thinking at this time, like, are you, um, I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit to Vogue here, but the, is it a means to an end to you? Like, do you, do you feel this kind of call to the call to nature and call to outside and to do these things? Was it just a matter of staying in shape? Like, how were you looking at the outdoors then? In terms of therapy um, and, and, you know, sort of wellness. Yeah, I guess in retrospect, it, it, it was, um, you know, I was probably taking comfort in, you know, an aspect of, of life that I thought I could be successful in. Um, but all the while sort of knew that it had a timeline. I mean, I, I saw some people that had sort of um, established careers, either in, in kayaking or in, you know, other outdoor sports. And it sort of seemed like, kind of a roll of the dice or you yeah. can do it, but you'd always be struggling. Um, but to be honest, you know, at 20 and 21, I wasn't really that, uh, I wasn't really that worried about it. You know, I'd been a pretty um, academics. I'd never really excelled in my whole, even in high school. So I wasn't really like, uh, it wasn't that shocking to me. Was that, to was, me, was that, yeah. was that an issue with you and your dad, him being a professor? Was yeah, he? Well, okay. Yeah, definitely worked. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. And, um, you know, there was like the uh, the idea that maybe I would finish in five years, maybe or or whatnot, and that was really uh, it didn't go over well. So mm. anyway, okay, so I'm re I'm recovering from this surgery. I haven't even sat in a kayak in six months now because I'm uh, you know I'm getting up early and I'm going on group rides and yeah. I'm training for races and you know running farther than I've ever run before this, that, and the other. And, um, simultaneously some, some guys that I had wrestled with in high school were finishing their time at the Naval Academy. So mm -hmm. they had to decide what, what they're going to do in lot in the Navy. They owed the Navy five years. And, um, basically they, you know, we're going to pick aviation or go on the boats or the SEAL teams or whatever. And, uh, you know, through probably more than a dozen conversations, it was sort of clear, like, Hey, there's a, you know, there's a place out there. Mm um where you know people like yourself i guess or you know you, you basically you just have to see what these guys are doing you got to go to the school it's insanely hard and um you know all this that and the other meanwhile you know the the war in afghanistan was you know at, at its peak and so yeah. america was kind of starting to find out like what are these navy seals what is this and what are they doing and they had um the bin laden raid hadn't happened yet but uh, it was right around that time that they were doing a ton of stuff. And so um, I realized, hey, I think this is a place where I can be successful. It seems like, you know, a place where, you know, I'm going to find other other guys like myself. And um, yeah, at the time, it really didn't occur to me like, you know, this is, you know, certainly a sports and endurance um induced world but you yeah. know at the end of the day it's it's war and you know the, the sole purpose of these uh teams is going to be to go overseas and um go into combat and so um yeah so uh maybe over eight months because it, it takes a long time to get into the into the seal teams yeah. even into the application process unless you're uh kind of unusually healthy from a physical standpoint mm -hmm. i don't mean um physical fitness i mean like you're scoring at a, at a physical with the doctor okay. would be like that. unusually um, you would score unusually high eyes, ears, 
mm. vision, no surgeries. I mean, you'd have to, it's very rare. So um, it took a while. And so once I decided this is what I'm going to do, uh, it was, it was on, I was, you know, I was uh, as into training and endurance as I possibly could be. Um, Cause I think, you know, I thought it's sort of a safety net, you know, if, if only X percent of people are going to pass this course, yeah. well, you know, one way I can, you know, up my chances just to be in the best shape I can going into it. So again, kind of fast forwarding mentally, and I'm wondering, there's lots of different reasons to join the military, especially a military at war as we are and have been for, you know, since 9-11 really. And I'm wondering, you know, as you match your mindset to those of the people that you've helped with Vogue, and the, you know, the mindset that you went into the military. And it sounds to me like, you know, one was you were sort of looking at the quote unquote real world of, you know, business or whatever it was, and maybe not fitting into a specific box and thinking that, you know, uh, there's maybe more of a place for you in the military. Certainly the physical side of things, you know, you mentioned you, obviously you knew you were at war, but it doesn't sound like you really went into it with a sort of a warrior mindset as much as like this challenge, right? And maybe that this is the right place for you. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. I, um, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a therapy session, but I probably, I, I think I looked at it sort of as a second chance, you know, mm -hmm. I, academically, you know, looking back, I really only went to undergrad because I thought that that was, you know, we grew up in a college town and that's definitely what, what you did. And that was the expectation. Um, and I didn't really have any interest in it. And so it was sort of like, you know, Hey, what am I, this is something I can do. I could probably be pretty good at it. It seems like I'll fit in, you know, and, um, I can add some value, mm -hmm. um, outside of, outside of, you know, what you can do in an office building and, um, whatnot. So, yeah, I think you're on the right, on the right track. And do you think that that mindset, do you, in, in dealing with, in helping on the therapeutic side of people sort of recover from the experiences that they've had in war, does, does mindset, if you were to sort of survey, I guess the, the range of, um, I, I don't want to call it damage, but, uh, you know, I guess the range of, of psychological issues, let's say it, it, can you trace a lot of that back to sort of the mindset going in? Um, not always, okay. not always. I mean, I would say, um, if I was going to attribute, um, attribute the reason for which I'm, this person is investing in their own mental health, certainly more than 50% comes from, a, um, something that occurred during their service. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Commonly, um, not to profile veterans, but, um, Commonly, I'll find, you know, someone that will join the, the military at 18, lit, left high school, and they'll do, you know, a significant amount of time, um, you know, 20 years, 15 years. And then so they're only, um, you know, mid 30s, late 30s when they leave the military. And so there's some, you know, there's some uh, definitely some adjustment there from, you know, operating outside of what, uh, you know, what's been so normal to them for so long. Yeah, for sure. A little bit of that, but um, yeah, I mean, most of the stuff that we, you know, that I talk to people about is, you know, usually occurs 
you know, from something during their time. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you know, you're going into this thing. You're obviously, uh, you, you're somebody who can live up to the physical challenge. And as you know, fast, fast forward, obviously you make it into the SEAL teams, et cetera. So what is that first? Um, I think most people listening have probably had some exposure to buds training that, that SEAL training and hell week and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. What is the, um, uh, not to spend too much time there and just kind of, uh, you know, talk war stories, but I'd love the compare and contrast of, you know, doing something like Leadville, you know, hundred mountain bike, the gruel of that, you know, where frankly you can quit at any time and walk away, at, you know, that type of thing versus something like seal training and just the difference in the mindset. And I, I guess the, what's similar and what's different between those two challenges? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we start with the similarities. I think, um, you know, people that are really successful in, in endurance racing are able to sort of process, um, process the experience in the macro and say, I'm on, I'm at mile X of X. This is just one day of my life. There's only 24 hours in a single day. Mm. You know, I'm in a lot of pain right now, but uh, I'm going to, you know, I've been here before and I'm going to get to the other side. And that's certainly a, um, that's certainly a mindset and, a, and sort of a, a headspace that is a requirement for passing SEAL training. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That's, you know, that's going to be fundamental to your success or failure. Um, discipline, you know, obviously a lot of these a lot of endurance athletes that are just sort of extremely disciplined. They're, you know, willing to give up certain aspects of their life and time and they're, you know, put the, put the time in to be successful, um, which is definitely a requirement. Um, you know, the, the differences I think are, you know, the SEAL training is, is very focused on um, team, team dynamics and your ability to place the team ahead of yourself. So there's, um, certain ways that they're willing to uh, extrapolate from each individual. How much do you, how much um, care are you going to invest in yourself right now, vice the team, um, which isn't really that common in endurance sport. It's pretty, you know, you might have a team per se or, right. you know, teams in the Tour de France, but there's not, a, you know, generally it's, you're there to win and do the best that you can for yourself. So, um, yeah, it's a lot more team team focused, and then I think it's a lot more uh, on the mental side. It's a lot more like of a slower, lighter grind. You know, it's more of um, not only do you have the day, but you have to you have to process like, oh, I have to do this for uh, mm. you know five and a half more months or six months, or you know, I've got to um, you get overseas and and this, that, or the other happens on week two. And you got to realize like, Oh, we're not going to, we're going to be here for, for months and months and months, whether yeah. that's um, something that you're going through personally or combat or the heat. I mean, there are all kinds of stuff. So it's, um, it's definitely a lot like it's, it's a lot longer and a little bit more of like a dull, dull uh, pain by my experience yeah. in endurance racing is sort of like um, more intense, but it's, and it's defined, you know, there's a lot of things in, especially in the, in buds where they withhold the, um, ending the interval length from you. So there's sort of an unknown and that's, that breaks people. 
You know, yeah. we're just going to get in the water until we say to get out. And it might be two hours. It might be, it might be all day or it might be three minutes. We don't know. And uh, that is, I think a lot of, you know, in cycling and a lot, you know, we get athletes sort of get obsessed with control. Yeah. You know, we're going to, we're going to put out this heart rate at this many Watts for this many minutes and then at this many miles. And, you know, everything's like anywhere that a cyclist can apply control. Yeah. They're going to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was just, um, I'm reading a book called The Power of Moments, which I've read a couple of times. It's a phenomenal, it's kind of like product management type book, but they're, they reference an experiment where they, um, they had um, subjects put their hands in freezing cold water for 60 seconds. And mm-hmm. then they did it again, and you have your hand in the freezing cold water for 60 seconds. And then for the next 30 seconds, they raise the temperature of the water. So you finish with warm. Your both experiments you're in for exactly 60 seconds in the freezing cold water. Second one, you end up you end up in warm water 30 seconds later, and the something like 70 percent of the respondents, if if given okay, we're going to repeat the um, experiment on you. Which would you prefer? Uh, like 70 percent chose B, and it, cool. it which was really strange. You know, it was like well, it's the same. It, it, the pain is the same. It's, yeah. it's just that finish. So the second experiment is actually longer, but you finish yeah. better. Right. And so I, I always, yeah. again, I read that book a couple of years ago and I'm reading it again now. And I've, I think back to that often when I'm racing or training of, you know, it's like trying to finish something off with like a pleasant experience and, and that type of thing. Um, I don't yeah, know if yeah. that exists in the seals. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's that withholding the interval distance is the, you know, as much as something is going to, you know, if you tell somebody, okay, you got a hundred burpees. Okay. That sucks, but I can do a hundred. If you just say, okay, right. start doing burpees. We'll see you later. Right. Might be two minutes. might be two hours. Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there's some other, there's some other, you know, sort of discipline and other things, you know, in the side of, uh, in the endurance racing side that, um, uh, I think we don't experiment experiment as much within the in the in combat. You know, you'd never want to you'd never want to zero out ever. That would be like in no in no. I mean, you never want to be fully spent. Yeah. Why would you know? We would never want to like collapse. Yeah. Right. And in like in a race like Leadville, generally, you know, we I want to basically have nothing left to give. Right. At, mile 100 and that's sort of a that takes practice that takes uh you know a lot of thought and some testing and and a lot of stuff like that and um it's hard you know to put yourself in that much discomfort to where you've got nothing left to give is pretty painful um and then in the in the military it was more of a hey we have to be able to uh execute you know any number swim shoot da 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 uh, forever so we can't you know we have to be able to conserve um we're never going to go like you know some two-minute crossfit workout where you're just yeah you know, everything yeah and training you you know you might think like right. we'll, we'll tailor our workouts like this but um in the real world you know it's kind of like um true endurance like let's endurance in terms of like how long can you endure huh. forever so i mean obviously they're onto something you know or they wouldn't be doing it but do you feel like because a lot of that buds training does look like it's breaking a lot of guys obviously and um 
the two ways I guess to look at that is one is, you know, you're trying to weed out the people who don't have the right mindset. I'm not going to say the weakest, but of, you know, just people who have a different mindset than what they're expecting out of a seal. Um, Do you think they get the majority of that testing and training, right? Do you look at that kind of from a, in hindsight, kind of saying, you know, like 20% of this was just stupid and, and that could have been replaced with something else? Or do you think they get it pretty right? I think they get it pretty right. I think it's, it's fairly unique in, um, in, in all of maybe even in, in the world's military training, how um, it's, it's held on to its roots, even though I think they're somewhat threatened today. I mean, it's not that much different than it was um, at inception. And the only reason for that is because it's, it's worked time after time and it's produced, you know, results. And I think, mm. I think if you were going to start a selection course tomorrow in some branch of the military and, and you sort of pitch the idea of buds, you know, people would look at you like, we're not doing that. I mean, really? we're going to kill you guys or something like that. So yeah. it's, um, it's really tested over time. And um, there's only a couple, there's only a couple metrics of minimum standard that are, um, you know, you have anyone themselves um, over the long term that really pretty achievable. All a couple times a year, I'll I'll have a call with a young man who's about to go to buds, and he'll he'll really want to run me through some scores. Mm. It, you know, it's, it comes up all the time. I well, I'm I've I've been doing my pull ups and my two minutes of push-ups and sit-ups and I get this score and then they want me to sort of bless that off as, right. um, well, it sounds like you'll pass or that's not enough. And I have no idea. I mean, right. you, you would never ever um, just get in, in good enough shape to be, to, to be a definite pass. Um, and that's by design. And so yeah. they're really, it's really, like I said, it's, it, they're trying to see who's there for the team, who can put the team ahead of themselves and uh, who can really stick it out. And there's, there's very little, there's a time run, a time swim and a couple other things. But other than that, you know, it's really just a uh, grit. Yeah. Really. There's no, Hey, we're going to bench press today. And everyone who gets under this score is right. out and everyone right. who gets above is in. Yeah. To quote, to quote Ken Clover about grit. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because it does seem, I mean, obviously most of the, the hardest guy I knew in high school, who's I think two years older than me, um, he went for the seals and this would have been like 1989, maybe 90, uh-huh. uh, and did not make it. And I think, I think actually he said he dropped out pretty quickly in the process. And this dude was, again, was hard as nails, physical beast. But, um, and I remember at the time, you know, thinking like, holy smokes, like how, how could this guy not do it? And he says he could have done all the physical, no problem. Uh-huh. And it yeah. was the cold water. It was the, it was kind of like what you just said, the not knowing how long the interval was. And it just, he wasn't ready. I think he went back in like a year later and, and actually complete, I think he actually, I think he became a seal eventually or something, oh. some other special force, but, yeah. um, he, uh, it was all the mental, you know, it was just that just mentally was yeah. not mature enough at the time. I, I would not advise getting into the, uh, who will make it, who will not make it speculation game. Cause you'll be, uh, yeah. you'll be very surprised every time. And even, I don't know. Um, I've actually mentoring a, a young man who, um, 
who I knew in undergrad, who's pretty far along in buds right now. And we talk every Sunday on the phone and mm. he's telling me, he's, he's reminding me what the next week's <laughs> schedule is. And I'm reminiscing and I'm kind of, oh, that'll be fine, man. Oh, that's not that yeah. in my mind. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, oh, that sounds so bad. You know, I don't tell him that, but I'm, I'm thinking like, oh man, I'm, I don't know how that, that must've been a different person, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, well, it's a, well, it's a well-oiled machine. You know, I think they've got that. We, there was just in the New York times week before last for uh, being, you know, highlighting some brutality that may or may not be taking place, but um, mm. you know, it doesn't, it definitely doesn't end. I thought a lot of guys, I think making the mistake of thinking like, Oh, well I'll, I'll pass this test. And then uh, after that I'll be, I'll be free. And, Right. It really changes. I mean, I don't, I didn't have kids on the team and now I have two, two girls, three and, and one less than mm. uh, one. And, you know, talk to my buddies and stuff and they're deploying. And I just think, man, that would be, you know, that would be crushing. Yeah. And, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs and in your path in this, in the SEAL teams um, is certainly harder than some of, you know, whatever you have to do in buds, which is just, yeah get wet, get sandy, run over here, run over there, pick this yeah. up and put it down. And um, <laughs> so, yeah. What's interesting. I wonder what the, what the correlation between past failure and success in making it onto like seals or in or another special force meaning, you know, if, if it's been easy for somebody and I don't necessarily mean like a massive physical failure, but just something that you considered a failure to yourself, right? You lost the state championship or something that just tore you up and you hated losing or failing or whatever it was. Um, because I think that it's cliche, but I know I have always gotten much more from losses and failures mm -hmm. than successes. So I wonder if you were to sort of map out the people who make it through buds, the people who don't make it through buds, and then look at the sort of past record of failures or not, not failures, but sort of disappointments, I guess. And, and what, how that correlates into future success when it, when something real is on the line. Yeah. I think, um, although I just said, I wouldn't speculate who will pass. <laughs> I, I do think that people who have overcome uh, hardship or adversity certainly are um in a better spot mm. you know it, it's very after the after the bin laden raid a lot of very very accomplished athletes started um started you know funneling into into buds you know college swimmers college wrestlers uh a national champion this that or the other and um a lot of them made it and a lot of them did it mm. And then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, you have a guy who grew up in Iowa, you know, working, you know, with his hands since he was 12 um, and does 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 better than um, yeah. someone who's been an athlete their whole life. And I think, you know, the people that made it, um, you see sort of a an unusual or high level of gratitude to be a part of the program um, in the training. So either where they came from in life or a circumstance that affected them previous to the Navy um, put them in a position to wake up in the middle of buds three months in and think, 
this is not going to be good, but I'm so lucky to be here and yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And those people with that attitude seem to, um, seem to be pretty successful. And maybe that correlates to, I'd rather, I'd rather do this than go back to what, what life, you know, where I was in life previous to this yeah. uh, adventure. So, yeah. Yeah, I've often thought in in some cases, and I've seen this be the case several times in my life, where the worst thing that a person can have is options when it yeah, means success yeah. or failure in whatever challenge they're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Options. Um, it's not an end all. It's not an end all be all. But I think the people who felt the yeah, they felt like you know anything's better than what I was. Yeah, what I was doing are, are set up pretty well. Yeah, for sure. Again, I wanted to, you know, the reason I'm drilling into this is is not necessarily to rehash buds or to, uh, you know, I guess be a rec recruiting tool for the Navy or anything, but just getting into that that mindset because, you know, whether it's suicide or just PTSD in general, I think it's it, certainly not to the level that it needs to, but it has been elevated in the news and the zeitgeist and you know culture last several years. And so trying to tap into, you know, the, what happens psychologically in war and especially, you know, going back from like World War One to Vietnam, you know, World War Two, the, the, I guess, war on terror of the last 20 years. And it seems like each war almost has a different type of effect on the soldier, right? You had the shell shock from the trench warfare in World War One. World War II, everybody comes home to a hero's welcome, or at least, you know, that's the perception. Vietnam, obviously, uh, you know, completely opposite um, effect on soldiers. And so what you're dealing with today, um, and certainly, I guess, what you're trying to do in supporting this, you know, 5,000 plus organizations who deal more directly with the, with the veterans, what, I guess, let's talk about Vogue specifically. And if you can, uh, let's just spend a couple minutes, like, tell me what the, I guess, the core mission of Vogue is. Yeah, so the core mission of Vogue is to uh, introduce outdoor therapy as a prescribable treatment for veterans seeking mental health. Um, both, you know, li quite literally at the VA, I am I'm being seen for PTSD, depression, et cetera. Okay, what are the, what are my list of, what are my options here? I, I didn't. Obviously, uh, we can assume pharmaceuticals are probably on that list. Maybe, um, I don't know, any host of things. And Vogue's mission is to get outdoor therapy or exposure to the outdoors um, added to that list. And then okay. aside from just the VA, you know, to prove the efficacy and educate veterans who maybe were um, not exposed to the outdoors previous to their service to the benefits of it. and give them access, understanding, education on how exposure to the outdoors as, you know, to basically test it um, for their own, you know, consumption because we were a group of people that have been exposed to outdoor therapy, both in our own mental health journey and in the implementation or, or facilitation of outdoor experiences for other veterans. So we've witnessed the power of it. We've seen it firsthand and uh, we think it's a, uh, a disservice to 
you know, veterans leaving the uh, transitioning from the military today to, you know, have a, such a limited, limited list of options in terms of um, prescribable treatment. So, yeah, yeah that's so, it. So, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, do you see that? I mean, it's really kind of especially coming out of what we just went through with with COVID, where the what I think I or you would consider health, right? Getting outdoors, exercise, eating right, all of those things, you know, better sleep, vitamin D, you know, all of the things that I think carry us through a day. It feels to me like a lot of the um, veteran care falls along those same lines where it's pharmaceutical heavy, therapy is fantastic, but again, pharmaceutical heavy, you know, how much of that care that they're getting focuses on really building a healthy body and mind with, you know, nutrition and vitamins and sunlight and outdoor. And obviously you guys are trying to take care of the outdoor thing, but is it, I would think pre COVID probably this is a no brainer, right? This, this is something that everybody would embrace and you guys would be mm -hmm. met with, <laughs> with open arms post COVID. I'm not so sure. So what, what kind of obstacles are you running into? Well, not that you're running into that you're trying to break down, I guess, with Vogue. Yeah. So I think we're trending in the right direction. I think a lot of people are uh, looking at their own, first of all, their own mental health in terms of um, that being, you know, no longer such a, a taboo yeah. um, topic. You know, it's becoming more normalized to even address your own mental health. And then looking at that, you know, from a more holistic, um, you know, if I'm not, if I'm feeling this way or that way, hey, did I, is my diet uh, messed up? Am I drinking too much? Am I not getting enough sunlight? Um, it seems like we're, you know, we're, we're on the right track and a lot more, there's a lot more attention on, on those sort of things. Um, but as far as, you know, Hey, it's a free for all, just, you know, let us know what you see working out there and we'll prescribe it. Um, you know, there's certainly, we're talking about, you know, an enormous governmental department that has systems and processes and, um, test periods and implementations. And, um, they're certainly not going to, uh, utilize an already constrained budget mm -hmm. without, you know, scientific research and some sort of um, proof that, you know, this is viable. Um, and yeah, so I don't think, you know, we don't see a lot of hurdles. It's, it's definitely, we've been really lucky in terms of um, its ability to be, to find bipartisan support. We very rarely find anyone who says that sounds like a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. Um but it's going to take time and it's, it's, it's well underway. So the, um, the, the, the legal or the, the legislative part of it has quite a history, but the short story is the compact act was passed in December of 2020, which included um, essentially we'll call it a trial period. A task force is going to be stood up to examine the, the efficacy of outdoor therapy and then report back after two years on, uh, on the findings. So some short-term um, allowance there and a whole lot of eyes from medical doctors and therapists and uh, people much smarter than, than myself mm. saying, Hey, is this, <clears throat> is this really viable? And, you know, we know that it is, and we, um, you know, we've seen it firsthand. So 
uh, time, really money, time, and um, just getting through sort of some red tape. I mean, it's just not something that's going to be, uh, you know, maybe if this was like a boutique medicine or, you know, yeah. out of pocket medicine, they said, well, we don't care. Yeah, sure. If the guy says it's helping him, we'll, you know, he can pay for it. Go ahead. But this, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about uh, large scale change. Yeah. And that's really what, um, that's really been always the, you know, sort of differentiator. The unique thing about Vogue is we're, we're focused on, you know, it's, we, we've always, it's always meant to be more than, Hey, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for your mountain bike race entry fee. You'll get a t-shirt, you know, we'll post on social media and we'll, we hope you had a, you know, we hope you had a great experience in the right. mountains. You know, we're, we're trying to um, alter the way that veterans access the outdoors over the long term and the way that um you know the way that yeah veterans navigate their mental health journey from from the time they transition yeah it's it's almost like you need this you know you have boot camp you almost need like a glove camp where <laughs> on the back end of a military service where you know you take two three four months whatever it is to then sort of mend some of these psyches right put them back together um you know and and through a military sponsorship kind of get them back into society gently rather than just saying okay have a nice yeah, day absolutely. thank you you know absolutely that's um that's that's come up mm. as in terms of like sort of our vision you know you can't you're, you're not just gonna walk into a clinician at the VA and you're already experiencing symptoms A, B, and C, and you've never, you know, you've never been hiking. You've never been fly fishing. You've never, you don't know how to hunt. Right. And then all of a sudden, Oh, we'll just, we'll just send you, you know, down the grand Canyon. Yeah. It, it's just not that, um, even if it is, even if we get to that point, it's just, um, not very, you know, it's not so feasible. So, my as seals were we were sort of lucky in in transition assistance i think um over the global war on terrorism some lessons were learned about about transition assistance and so i don't have the best um i'm seals and and, and whatnot are, aren't really the best case study mm -hmm. for it but absolutely we think you know um as you as you start your transition two years out one year out you know just like you know you might you might take a class on sleep health or yeah. you know, nutrition you know would come um you know hey if you if you're interested in in these kind of outlets here's here's how you do it here's here's how the national park system works here's how to navigate it and um you know here's here's a hundred of your peers who found you know well-being and and claim to have improved their their mental health by spending time in the outdoors yeah um early on it's an interesting convergence because one of the things that we deal with a lot on the endurance side is uh, i don't know what the proper term is these days bipoc or you know people of color i don't know i'm, I'm gonna punt on the the terminology but one of the the things that comes up over and over and over and over again is getting more access to mountain biking, you know, cycling, mm -hmm. triathlon, whatever it is. Um, and, and, uh, I had, uh, a guy on the podcast, uh, last year who runs the, um, it's a, it's a 
uh, it's a, I think they call it the Black Trail Runners Association out of London. And, mm-hmm. and I talked to him about that in depth, you know, and he just felt like, because to me it was like, well, nobody's not welcoming. What, what's the problem? Like just go on a trail run. And, and his mm-hmm. perception was the exact opposite. You know, he's a black guy and he's like, I show up at these, these group trail runs and I do feel like people are kind of looking at me like, Hey, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Type of thing. And so you, you now have a, a, I don't know that it's a disproportionate, but it's a large chunk of our military, obviously our people of color. And then if, if one of the best therapies for these folks is getting them outdoors into these experience, now you have this, this double chasm now of, you know, sort of making them feel welcome, getting them out of their comfort zones and, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, um, you're definitely onto something. That's, that's something that we've tried to focus on. You know, there's, um, there's thousands of called BSOs veteran, uh, service organizations in the United States, and not all of them are, you know, not even a percentage of them are focused on skiing Denali or Everest or, mm-hmm. you know, some class five, nine day elk hunt in the Canadian Rockies. I mean, yeah. there's a ton of, um, there's a ton of sort of easy to access or, you know, entry level, we'll call it for lack of a better term, um, opportunities. And we really have, we've tried to make an effort not to make outdoor therapy appear to be, um, extreme or, yeah. you know, let that barrier of like, you know, like watching, a Alex Honnold and, and on LCAP and thinking like, <laughs> well, that's outdoor therapy. That's not for me. You know, I'll never yeah. do that. Um, cause it's not, there's no reason that, your the effect on your mental health um really is correlated to whether you grew up in durango or you grew up in in manhattan so you know if you can um if it helps it helps and that's what that's something that we really want to make you know more normal and not 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 make outdoor therapy appear to be um you know double like, black diamond backcountry skiing. Yeah. This extreme eco challenge. Yeah. What do you think it is about the outdoors versus just going to the gym or doing something, you know, something difficult? What is it? Is it that the outdoors and the correlation to the military and, you know, kind of being outside of the social norms? What do you, why is it that out the outdoors specifically is so helpful and therapeutic to these people? Yeah, I think a couple things, you know, it's, <clears throat> It tends to mimic. Um, it tends to mimic a lot of the structure around what's going on in the military and on on deployment. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of my personal experiences when I was still deploying, and I was, you know, we, we would get these t- vacations uh, right when we got home or right before we left, and I would always come out here, uh, usually to the front range and and whatnot, and. Um, you know, we would spend all deployment, like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go to Long's Peak mm-hmm. and, and here's the route and, and we got to pack a pack and we got to, you know, we got to get there at 2 a.m. That's our departure time. And then we've got, you know, how much food are you bringing? How much water are you bringing? What do we get? Oh, we, all right. So we got to climb this route. So we better start running. So we get in shape. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're, we're going to run it on the treadmill with the backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, all totally, this is all in retrospect that I'm realizing that, yeah. The, similarities you know at the time i had no idea yeah um and i think it's it has you know experiences in the outdoors and especially in endurance um, and i think this is why we've had so much success um you know when we see veterans 
emerge and endurance is it's the purpose is so clearly defined. It's yeah. it's it's written down. It's on the website. It says August eighth in Leadville, Colorado. You'll right. ride 104 right. miles, this many feet of elevation, and you'll come back. And then you think, well, I can't do that, and so I got to come up with a plan. I got to train. I got to get a better. You know, I got to get in shape. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna drive out there a couple of weeks before. I'm gonna do Columbine. I'm gonna time myself. Da, 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 da. And it it's so um, mission it's driven. So clear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so clear. The purpose is to finish, or the purpose is to get the big belt buckle, or the purpose is to do whatever you want. Um, and that is a habit that's so that's so constant in the military. We got to go on this training trip, and this is the goal before we leave to go to Iraq or wherever you're going. And then when we get there, okay, the mission is to clear this valley, and it's um. As soon as soon as you complete a task, you're you're you have orders to the next one, and then the orders are very clear. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. This is the time it's going to take. Da 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 da. And um, I think there's a lot of ambiguity in the purpose of the civilian world in terms of your father, you're uh, an employee somewhere that you uh, maybe work there for money. Maybe you work there because you fun purpose in it maybe it's a blend of both you know you're a part of a community you're an athlete you're da, 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 it's sort of um i think once you know when you assign a, an endurance race or you know hey I'm, my goal is to climb mount rainier it's very you know it feel it's like it's sort of um you know it's very comfortable to veterans because they um okay i know exactly what i need to do and i'm going to train and i'm going to I'm going to knock that out of the park and then I'm going to go to the next one. And, you know, once I repeat this cycle 10 times, I'll be, you know, I'll be a better, I'll be better off than I was. And I think that, um, was really a long winded way to (laughs) describe one reason. And uh, yeah. And another one is just, uh, you know, a break from the, um, you know, from the, the expectations and the, in the, the cell phones and the texts and the, you know, the, the zoom calls and everything. Um, and all the pressure of, of, you know, of everyday life, I think, um, also mimics sort of a, sort of a military, um, routine, you know, it's like, when do I, you know, the military, there's a lot of change in it. And you start to develop, I remember definitely as a seal, I remember thinking like, as bad as this is today, I got, you know, this ends in three weeks and then we're going over here and then yeah. it'll, it'll be better when we get there or yeah, I got to do this and I don't really want to, but once I knock that out, I'll be over, I'll, I'll be, you know, right. And then, um, in my, in my life post-military, it can be a little overwhelming to, um, kind of settle into your, your nine to five and you got your house, you know, and you're kind of like, so I guess I'll just do this until, yeah. uh, until I'm 65, yeah, maybe I'll yeah, get yeah. a raise or like maybe I'll get promoted. But, um, you know, it's kind of like, what, what's the, you know, when are we going to break up the, uh, the, you know, how routine this is. Yeah. And when I have races on the calendar, I don't, it's a break from that. It definitely is a break from that or a climbing trip or some kind of, um, thing on the schedule. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, 
yeah, I'm doing my job nine to five, but it's only three more weeks till we go to, you know, whatever, whatever trip or whatever race I have on the schedule. Yeah. It's interesting. I follow a handful of like kind of hyper veteran owned and run businesses like Black Rifle Coffee or mm -hmm. Sheepdog Response with Tim Kennedy or Jocko's um, Echelon Front type of thing. And it seems, and maybe it's just because these are the visible companies out there, but it seems like these, again, kind of extremely veteran run organizations are extremely eclectic. They seem mm -hmm. to, like what you're talking about, they seem to do a lot of different things, move people around in different you know, uh, areas of the business and they're very flexible and, and it feels mm -hmm. like much more nimble than your typical organization. And now that mm -hmm. you bring that up, it, it sort of makes sense as I'm matching the two experiences together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think you, um, purpose, you know, I think is a large part of it. Mm. It's, you know, when you, when you are young, military member in your 20s you don't spend a lot of time thinking like what am i doing yeah you know, what am i what's my what am i going towards or what am i you know who am i as a person on on this earth and um it's very clear you're part of this military unit yeah you're gonna go to this place and you're gonna execute this mission and then uh we'll give you another one but you're you know you're serving your country and it's um it's not confusing. And yeah. I think a lot of once, once you've been, um, you know, once you've had a grip on that for a decade and then you, and then you transition, those questions start to bubble up and, um, yeah, the outdoors and it definitely endurance racing is, as seems like it, um, is a big help. But it's very, you know, it's, it's incredible. Everyone's experience is, is totally diverse. So, um, you know, that's sort of from my experience talking to other people, and it's been my experience, but I would, you know, I think if you asked 100 people who frequent the outdoors what they enjoy, you'd probably get um, 40 or 50 different answers. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be an awful analogy, but just working from home for the last two and a half years, and that kind of lack of, um, I guess, mundanity of being in the in the office. I, I w I'm sure at some point, I'm sure I'll end up back in an office. But I, I again, it's a terrible analogy, so I don't I don't want to sort of trivialize what it's like, you know, no, whether, no, no. you know, being in war or in the military in general. But I, I can in some way relate to that sort of going from mm -hmm. Afghanistan back to, you know, Blacksburg, Virginia, or wherever it is, and, and really having a difficult time adjusting with that day-to-day -day of life, missing mm -hmm. out, you know, on, on kind of the way that you would live the past several years with that. Mm -hmm. Although extremely structured and disciplined, also very free-flowing and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the world is at your feet in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, yeah, there's a lot to it, you know, and I think, um, I sort of had a, I sort of had a unique, unique experience. I'm hesitant to sort of, um, I don't like the idea of being sort of a, a speaker for veterans as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'll give some credit to the fact that I'm involved with Vogue. And so we yeah. do have a lot of these conversations, but, um, it's certainly 
a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but it seems like there's a consistency with uh, operational tempo and purpose overseas. And then, um, and then translating that into some goals in the, in the outdoors or in, um, well, in, in endurance, typically like we're talking about this combo. Yeah. How could so. a company, how could a company like lifetime that, you know, with, um, and I certainly don't speak for them. I know Spartan's done a lot of stuff with veterans and things, but the, like, how could a company, if you had a magic wand and could ask Brom for anything, you know, CEO of Lifetime, like how can a company with the size of, uh, of Lifetime, but then also kind of, you know, they, they own a lot of iconic events and, mm-hmm. and things like that. How could a company like that help? Um, I can't. You know, I think, um, and whether it's lifetime or somebody else, I guess, you know, kind of like what can, what can we all do to help this problem? Yeah, I think that, I think that lifetime could try to diffuse, I think lifetime, you know, especially level has a little bit of a reputation as of, I won't get in. So I will probably, I won't try. Mm. Um, and if I was a veteran and, you know, the other side of the country, or I didn't, you know, no connection, or, you know, basically I didn't work in the space. I could see myself feeling that way. And I actually, you know, raced with some other guys from our, you know, they were like, I'm not going to do the lottery. I mean, that's, I'm just not going to win. And so um, mm. I think that they could try to um, incentivize veterans um, to, you know, to apply or to get in and, and then, you know, with, with entrance, you know, sort of, um, uh, a belief, you know, sort of promote the fact that it's definitely possible. Got the it. other, you know, the other reputation of lifetime, which is, you know, why it's been so successful. is just the notorious, um, difficulty of it all. I mean, that's yeah. sort of the marketing brand of, you know, Tusher and, yeah. um, unbound and stuff is like try come out and try and we'll kick you know it's going to kick your ass which if i'm a if i'm dipping my toe in the outdoors as a transition veteran i'm i'm gonna buy your uh i'm gonna buy that spiel and probably say no thanks yeah yeah um and so i think i think yeah we've 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 um we've communicated with with all these folks and they've been super um yeah Super helpful. You know, they do the they do the charity spots um, with first descents. Mm-hmm. That's a great um, great organization that does a ton for veterans, and Lifetime's done a ton with them. I'm I'm hoping to get Vogue, um, you know, equally involved. And in, um, so they've done a ton. I think I think reputationally is where you know people just either have the perception that it's not um, feasible from an entry standpoint or that they, or they, they believe, um, you know, how they believe, you know, they kind of eat the marketing of like the hardest race in the world or, you know, whatever they, whatever they call it. Yeah. How can, how can like the every person get involved in any of this? Is this a sort of a letter writing campaign to our Congress people? Um, donating money and getting involved in some way. It can be, I would, yeah, it, it definitely can be. I think, um, I think 
there's a lot of uh, you can move a lot of dirt at the at the sort of the ground level. So if you're, um, you know, if you're in a state or one of the states that are sort of uh, sort of known for outdoor therapy, you know, work with that local local government. What are you know what are we doing for you know veteran access? Um, you know, what are we doing for uh, you know what what more can we do what what red tape is there that we can eliminate um and yeah i don't think you know from the t- i think from the from the bottom up is going to be a lot more effective than from the top down yeah yeah but um you know at the same time you know i think veterans don't like to be not victimized is the right word but they don't want to you know they don't want a free lunch yeah and they don't want to be you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, no, no one wants to participate in Leadville and then they got to be called out and they, they got in because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I right. think a lot of people shy away from sort of, um, or a lot of people take pride in the, um, I'll, I'll, I'll do it myself yeah. and I'll find, I'll, I'll either succeed or fail on my own accord. And so mm-hmm. it can be a little bit, um, counterproductive to be sort of, um, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, no, I, 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 I hear you. Yeah. We don't really want to patronize. You know, right. I don't think veterans don't want to be patronized for like, oh, we, we're going to give away um, yeah. five free spots and these are the guys. So everyone clap your hands for right. them and hope, you know, it's like these guys don't want to be guys and girls. They want to, um, they want a fair shot and they want to, you know, when they, when they cross the finish line, they want to feel like they um, qualified at yeah. a qualifier race fair and square, or they won the lottery fair and square or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the eye opener for me, I was, I was trying to, <laughs> this, this is so in, indicative of what's wrong with, with Washington. I was reading through the HR 2435 that you had posted on your website where it's the, the house resolution for um, getting basically outdoor therapies as part mm-hmm. of the VA um, uh, treatments. And I mean, dear Lord, trying, trying to read that is insanely, you know, I mean, and I know it's not your format, it's sort of the format that they have to be presented in, but that was the epiphany for me because it's like, it's, it's easy to look at these things and say, you know, Hey, let's organize a trip or let's organize some sort of adventure fund and help three people or five people. That's great. That's, that's fantastic. But my wife is a nutritionist. She is, I mean, I would be a completely different person were it not for her and her insistence on proper sleep and nutrition and mm-hmm. all of those things. And something to, to as simple as, you know, I had exercise induced asthma. I was on inhaler for the first like eight years I was doing triathlon. Couldn't do a single training effort without using the inhaler. Got off wheat. And within three weeks, I, I've never used the inhaler since in 15 years. No kidding. Yeah. And it was yeah. just, you know, and, and, and it, she just told me how to, she taught me how to listen to my body. And I recognized that there were certain scenarios, um, where I was getting, I was feeling like I would, I'm going to try to make a very long story, very short, but I would eat dinner at either my mom's or her mom's house. And I would feel like I ate an elephant and I would eat like Mm -hmm. a little pasta and a piece of garlic bread, but that was the only place that I was eating those things. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at, you know, I was reading through that house resolution and things and realizing that what you guys are really all about is trying to slide this basically healthy way of life into the advocacy for veterans training, which again, 
I'd never even thought that that would be something that you would have to fight for, right? Mm-hmm. But it's but getting that as part of an overburdened, probably underfunded uh, bureaucracy of the VA is really mm-hmm. key and raising the awareness because they're not bad people. They're overworked. They're probably underpaid. They're trying to deal with a, you know, a global war on terror that has produced a tremendous amount of ex soldiers over the last 20 years who now they're trying to help. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I love your core mission. I think it's, it's really fantastic. And I'd, I'd love to love to help any way we can. I really appreciate that. And I would like to, yeah, I, I certainly um, would never, you know, the people that are actually facilitating the outdoor therapy and, you know, um, taking the veterans out day to day, you know, we wouldn't be there, you know, they're doing incredible work and they're doing, uh, you know, what we need to do. So certainly not yeah, uh, discrediting that, that at all. It's extremely important. And um, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be anywhere without the people who actually well, it's yep. certainly a Boots symbiotic relationship, right? The more the more you guys can get the the therapies and the um, uh, the efficacy, I guess, really bought off on and funded, then obviously it helps them just as much as oh, the absolutely. opposite direction, right? Yeah. So, yeah, 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 that is awesome. Well, this is a, the time in the podcast we normally do. Uh, it's a little five-question dash. You want to answer some questions, have a little fun? Sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Sure. All right, cool. Let's get our uh, little theme music here. What's the what's the favorite race you've ever done? Or I guess really kind of, yeah, any – you did a lot of non-racing uh, outdoor activities. So if there's sure. like a stretch of white water or something like that, what's your favorite out there? Um, I would say – I would say probably Leadville. Leadville. Not my greatest, yeah. Probably my favorite. Yeah. Was it the was it the effort, the setting, the people, all of it? Yeah, it's it's, it's the setting and it's the uh I don't know, there's something in the there's something in the um you can just feel, you know, this is the big dance. This yeah. is the uh I think it's the timing in the year too. And mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of uh, either this year it's my last race last year there was maybe one more but um it's like hey the winter's done the spring's done you've got four or five races in the bag let's see uh yeah let's see and it's you know it's just so there's so many known knowns like every <laughs> time you know every minute and like, oh yeah. i'm here at this time it's just such a uh maybe it's a uh maybe i've done that to myself with you know like too much time on strava but yeah you know just being up there you know, at, at elevation and seeing the crowds and everything, it's just a blast. And it's a, it's a great way, you know, it's been the most fun way to sort of test my, test my metal uh, yeah. for the past few summers. Yeah, it's amazing. I, like it, it kind of what you said about how Bud's training kind of wouldn't go through today. You look at the town of Leadville, what can <laughs> built, you know, however dec- many decades ago, like it's not a place you would think is. no. You know, like you go there and your first impression of Leadville is not something you're going to fall in love with. It's but over a day, over two days. And I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time up there. We would do all of our offsites when I worked at Lifetime and stuff up there. And it's just frick, it's magical, man. And yeah, whether it it's is. the runs or the rides, it is just one of my favorite places out there. Yeah, it really is. And the way, yeah, both both years I've done it, you know, there's been a real camaraderie in the last um you know like from st kevin's back 
I mean, you kind of get in that that group where you you don't you know you don't talk to people for this first fifty miles, but you sort of are with them all day. Yeah, yeah. And you you see the same couple guys, and then you know with with two hours to go, they kind of break into conversation, and then you start rooting for each other and yeah, um, taking pulls for one another. Yeah, total blast. Yeah, it's got to be a little bit. I was when you were talking earlier in the show about kind of the difference between military training being very team based to um, these races, a race like Leadville, it just, I think the longer races in general, you know, versus like a 5k road race. I mean, you'll cheer for other people and whatnot, but you're out there for yourself and, and races like Leadville, they're so difficult. Even something like the heavy half where you're out there for two, three, or I guess about three hours, you're spending most of your time cheering other people on that you're running yep. with. And it's just so magical. Yep. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. It really is. It's a privilege. Yeah. What's um, uh, what's the worst experience you've had? <laughs> I probably that accident in the kayak. Oh, or you probably oh, yeah. had worse than that. Yeah. Uh, Any big failures? You ever have you ever DNF'd in a race? No, I've um. I have so one time this is kind of a long story but um <laughs> one time in the military we wanted to go to the Uray ice park you familiar with that no is that down out in, by uh, um near Telluride Telluride yeah they basically pinprick these um water pipes okay in the winter when it's frozen and they they spill over this into this canyon and they do it just right. They've got it all calculated. And then there's basically, a, they've created a climbing gym oh, wow. in, um, in this canyon. So there's top rope and everything and uh, competitions. And it's really, really cool. You should look up a picture on Google. But um, so we decided we, this is what we want to do. We're on some training trip. I don't know. Um, we've got some time off and we're going to fly to Colorado. And then we realized it's not going to be open yet. It kind of opens when it's cold enough. Okay. Um, so we start kind of Googling around, you know, what, what else could we do? Uh, and then we come across this article about some Green Berets that were rescued by a helicopter on the um, top of Long's Peak. Okay. So we decide that's what we're going to do. <laughs> that's what we are going to do. And we're going to do the same route they did. And we're going to uh, kick their ass because we would never be that pathetic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we look up, you know, we kind of look up like what this would be like in July, you know, be certainly challenging, but we were ignorant and the story is kind of funny, but, um, in re you know, looking back, it's not that funny. So we fly out here. We don't, we, we have some mountaineering experience. Everyone sort of knows what they're doing, but nothing like this. And we're going to do this in one day. Okay. And so we're not going to bring sleeping bags. We're not going to bring anything because we got to be light and fast and we got to be up there. It's the, uh, the winter solstice so it gets you know it gets dark about five o'clock yeah and uh we're gonna hit it and uh just total you know ignorance hubris and ignorance yeah 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 that's right that's right just not um so anyway we go up there and we actually get to the top and the sun's going down and um we're looking around at um where these rappel bolts are so we can come back down you know we're talking about it's like maybe four o'clock and we're talking about where we're going to eat 
like, oh, we're going to get down. We're going to go get beers and pizza at this place. And it starts getting a little darker and a little darker and a little darker. So we're, up, we're on top of, it's 14,000 feet. You know, the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour. It's probably 30 degrees, maybe less. And um, we're really in bad shape. This is going to be really, really bad. Um, and we basically looked for these bolts um, until about 2 o'clock in the morning, probably five, six, seven hours. Oh. And then we decided, okay, it's going to be light, you know, you know, in a matter of hours. And uh, someone's going to fall off this mountain if we yeah. don't stop stumbling around in the ice and the rocks. And so um, we basically made a, coiled the rope up on some gravel and cuddled with one another. <laughs> um, and it was really, it was pretty, I mean, it was really serious. It was like, uh, you know, someone could have called called rescue or whatever and we could have endangered you know a, a whole yeah. helicopter yeah. with the people or and, uh, we really just thought that we were tougher and yeah. and uh smarter than we were wow. and so that was definitely my biggest um failure but i'll say i really got i really got um i really got bit by the bug on that i really you know i'd been i'd been overseas a couple times yeah. and the mount you know the, the rocky mountain national park said we don't give a shit who you are <laughs> we're in charge yeah. and uh and when you know when i was that has still stuck with me like the humility like taking sort of a humble position in mountaineering and whatnot has been um will always be instilled in me from that trip and so yeah that's probably the biggest uh <clears throat> that's definitely the biggest failure i've ever had and we're lucky to uh nothing too yeah. Nothing too bad came of it. Because, you know, if it was a different, you know, two nights from that, from two nights later, it might have been minus 20. Right. You know, who knows? It's just sort of a, could have been luck of the draw. Well, we're glad you made it off the mountain. Longs is interesting because you can, for those listening, if you're looking into Boulder and the Flatirons, a sort of iconic front range range, Longs is just to the right of that. Um, and it doesn't, it's, I think it's the only visible 14er in the front range, right? Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't look like, I mean, it looks like a mountain you could go climb, and and yeah, the stories are. Um, I mean, lots of people climb it, obviously, but they're the people yeah. who do get stuck up there. It happens quite often where you either start too late or you know, storm blows yeah. in quickly. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, where am I here? Um, that was your worst experience. Do you have like a favorite uh, sports or adventure movie go to that you you just love watching? Yeah, Point Break. Point. <laughs> All right. Point Brink, very good. That was an easy answer there. Uh, last question, do you have any uh, kind of advice for your younger self? I guess maybe maybe when you were going into BUDS or, or just joining the Navy, like what would you have told yourself that you wish you had known then? Ooh. Um, yeah, I think I would be, I would tell myself maybe not to be so, um, so anxious to uh you know sort of chasing chasing something at the whole time i mean I, when i look back in my 20s um i feel like i like i, I kind of get a sense of like being in a hurry hmm. the whole time and like oh i gotta get to you know here and here and here and um i'm gonna succeed in this and then i'm gonna get to this certain military unit or whatever yeah. um and it wasn't until now i'm 34 and 
it wasn't until real recently I just thought, well, this, you know, I'll be this doesn't go on forever. You'll be yeah. 40, in your forties and then your fifties, and then you'll be a uh, sick. You know, not that you can't do things when you're older, but um, it just seemed. I think I would just say like, well, just you know, stop and listen to the music for a couple of minutes yeah. while you're while you're here. And I guess you know, another way to say it was like the, the journey is a lot of this, not the uh, the destination. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so. easier. It's easier now that you've got kids because you you will have uh, all these shared experiences, right? That force mm -hmm. you to kind of slow down. Cause I've, I'm, uh, I've never done a hike where I was looking at flowers or the <laughs> sunset yeah. or whatever, you know, I, I it's like everything I would always do, I would do for time or whatever, you know, everything was always this kind of sense of urgency. Staring at a Wahoo and uh, doing math problems. Yeah. And so once, <laughs> you know, you have kids and my uncle gave me great advice. He said, don't ever skip a family meal. So try to have those as often as possible. And it's, you do relish those small moments of just sitting totally. around the table and, you know, talking about the day and that type of thing. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think you, you know, when you, you don't want to get to the point where you, you see yourself at the top of the mountain and you, and you're like, what, you know, what do I want to do? Where's the next mountain? Yeah. Going to climb? You know, you want to be, you want to look around while you're on the mountain and say, this is, this is great. Or this is, uh, this is it. Yeah. It's a tough balance. You know, I'm, I'm 50. I, I just sent my son to college. I have a daughter in high school and you don't, it's difficult to balance, um, complacency and ambition in that, you know, you start to realize what's the most important things in life. Mm -hmm. And you become very content with family time and slowing down and those types of things. And and so in the beginning, you sort of, I have found, you know, you're, the thing you're fighting is, is the things that are keeping you from success. And then you mm -hmm. achieve some success and you sort of get to the other side of things. And then what you're fighting is the urge to just kind of not slow down per se, but you know, you, you're definitely more choosy with your, uh, with your time investments, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Makes total sense. Yeah. 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 Well, where yeah, can, where can, I was going to say, where can people kind of find you online? And, and, uh, obviously voag.org is the website. Yeah. Um, boundless. I always forget the, I, I got to talk to Ryan about, about the URL. <laughs> boundless well, 10 220com Yeah. Leadville's, uh, Leadville's elevation, which yeah, is cool, but it's easy to forget. It is. I yeah, keep, we're on, yeah. 10, 200, 10, 220. I always forget. So. Yep. Yeah, we're on, um, we're on Instagram. I think it's a Vogue official. Okay. We're on, um, LinkedIn and yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. This this was awesome. Again, it's, you know, the the cool thing about it is it, it's such a um you know, I loved on the website where you talk about, you know, one of your core values is this kind of bipartisanism of what you're trying to do and uh an extension of that is this is so far from being a political decision of this is all about again a healthy way of life type of decision and getting that integrated into our existing, how we are helping our veterans. And I love the idea of sort of, again, like a glove camp where you're 
helping, what, what did you call that? You, you've mentioned the term that it is called of sort of easing people out of the military, like transition or assistance. Yeah, transition assistance or, yeah. you know, transition programs. Yeah. So any way that we can help, you know, again, reach out to a congressperson or, or support any one of the 5,000, yeah, any one of the 5,000 local companies that are out there helping in this <laughs> outdoor advocacy and stuff. So that's, that's yeah. Yeah, awesome. I really appreciate that. That's been part, you know, that was sort of um, a core value from from day one is this is going to be most successful if we don't really align. I wouldn't say we don't align with either political party, but if we um, keep it, um, you know, as bipartisan as possible, which it really is. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. see any. I don't see any agenda um, that would oppose oppose this on either side of the aisle. So um, yeah, I think it's all about lucky. awareness. They're rare. Those are rare, yeah. rare topics, and so we've been lucky to um, you know be able to conduct business in that way. Well, the nice thing is, again, I I assume a lot of what happens in in these types of bureaucracies is like that sounds like a great idea, but we have no idea how to implement it. And really, what you're saying is, hey, we know how to implement it. We just sort of need to clear the clear the barriers and and get this integrated. You're right. You're right. And um, so another pro not problem, but you know, commonly um, when you when if we look at the resolution that is on our website that you read, well, what what will happen is um, one side of the aisle will uh, author legislation, and they'll say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna shrink down the number of individual uh, resolutions that exist. And we're going to absorb these 25 veteran um, veteran changes, <clears throat> issues yeah. into one. This was called the Compact Act in this case. And then what happens is you do, you do sort of start to associate with um, other agendas and stuff that are a little bit more, uh, you know, leaning left or right politically so while you were while your personal um effort is bipartisan what they're gonna you know what they're gonna say is what this you know just political tactics okay we're, we're gonna do all these 50 great things for veterans yeah but we, what we need you to do is pass our um pass right. a b and c which is a little bit more um debatable or what yeah. or whatnot so you're it's it's challenging to stay um you know, it's challenging to stay sort of in your own swim lane and not be lumped together. Well, you know, and that could help you as well um, in some cases. But yeah, that resolution ended up being passed through the Compact Act, which has um, a multitude of veteran, um, you know, veteran topics, amongst other things. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know a lot of these things and not to pick on one organ or one administration over the other, but a perfect example is the, uh, what, what the inflation reduction act that just passed, which had nothing to do with reducing inflation. So yeah, typically the rule of thumb is whatever they're mentioning in the bill is the opposite of what they're trying to do. But in the case of veterans, obviously you're hoping that if something is yeah. titled something in the veteran, you know, in the name that they're doing good things for veterans. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, we will keep in touch for sure. And, uh, yeah, you know, sure. yeah, any, any way that we can help and I'd love to, you're just in golden, golden, I'm in Broomfield. So let's, uh, let's definitely get a run or a ride or something. And yeah, I didn't realize that I didn't, um, yeah. I didn't know you're so close. I saw your area code. I thought you were maybe in Arizona. I have Phoenix but, all yeah, my life. Yeah. Up until about let's seven, eight years with, ago. You ride mountain bikes? I do. Yep. Okay. Well, let's get together with, um, 
with Ryan and we could run or ride. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Well, cool, Joy. Yep. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Ben Davis for sitting down and sharing an hour with us. We'll have a specific post on Instagram with Ben for episode 48. If you have comments or questions, I do have a special request for each of you. We are building this show and channel back up from scratch quite literally after rebranding from Athlinks Podcast. So I would greatly appreciate it if you would just take a moment and follow us on your chosen socials. We are at Faster Forward Show on Instagram and Facebook. If you like this episode, please be sure and share it with all your friends. Give the show a like or a rating and a review depending on the platform you're listening on and let us know in the comments what you thought or if you have a guest that you'd like to hear on the show. Drop us a note there or email me directly at troy at and that's B-U-S-O-T. And as always, until next time, and keep it moving faster forward, everybody.